good morning and i wouldn't say very warm welcome but a beautiful rainy welcome because uh, the rains are always a sign auspicious sign as we know in indian thought which sees everything in terms of signs and symbols so rain is a sign of grace it purifies us and uh, you know it's interesting when we look at the seasons after the purification by the rain we have the winter so winter is a time when the whole earth nature withdraws into itself it sheds the old and after winter we have the spring so there is the blossoming forth of new life and new creation but spring is not only about all rosy beautiful things yes it begins with that and then comes summer which is the time of effort so also with our own life and rains come uh, i mean not now i'm talking of the outer rain but rains are a sign nature gives us many hints and rain is a sign of that earth nature needs to be purified shed its old attire leaves are shed during autumn and prepare itself for the new so we stand today at such a juncture when earth is preparing to shed its old attire and preparing for the new and that's why we see world over a kind of seeking and anguish uh, dissatisfaction with all that has been a struggle to reach out to a new thought a thought of the future a new way to understand life and it's because uh, all our conceptions that we have formed so far based on both uh, intellectual strivings and spiritual revelations and religious beliefs seem inadequate and um, of course we can choose to accept it and that's our own freedom but if we look deep enough we'll see that they are inadequate they don't answer perfect answer to the riddle of life and this is where we see shobindo brings in a new synthetic thought which reconciles and gives us an answer not only an answer but a hope a new hope so this riddle of life can be beautifully summarized in one of shobindo's poem a tree so he compares human life to a tree a tree beside the sandy river beach holding its topmost boughs to heaven to the skies holding its topmost boughs to the skies like fingers to the heaven they cannot reach this is the soul of man his body and brain hungry for earth his heavenly flight detain it's a perfect description of our own life and we can see accordingly depending on whether we are earth bound and heaven amorous <laughs> or we are glued to the earth or we are taking a flight into the heights we have different conceptions of life through which man has tried to solve the enigma of himself and the world he inhabits and i think this is the sign of humanity that we question we seek uh, of course there is a whole layer of humanity which uh, is not interested in questioning and seeking which which leads life as it comes with as they say with the flow <laughs> so that with the flow is very much uh, like uh, i mean an animal existence it feels hungry it eats it feels like sleeping it sleeps it reproduces it has children by instinct it is driven but the sign of humanity being human is not just a human birth so in the vedic rishis we see that they spoke about human beings as having not one birth but a double and a triple birth and many more births so our first birth is in this physical material existence and we want to make sense of it but uh, 
if we remain glued to it forever, then we miss the whole essence of being human. What I mean by this is that if we are just happy that my physical life is very good, I am physically healthy and my uh, vital life, life of pleasures, enjoyment uh, is very comfortable, then we miss the real meaning of being human. So human is when we begin to look beyond this initial thing. It's not that this is not required, it's not either or, but having done it, we need to look and try to understand. So the next level or the next birth is when we are born to thought. Of course we all think, but much of our thought is driven by moment to moment. Oh, it's raining so much, oh, it's very hot, oh, the sensex is high, oh, the sensex is down, oh, this event took place. That's hardly called thought, that is more like sensations which are triggering um, some vibrations in the neurons and it sends up thought messages. But by thought I mean trying to make sense of who we are, why we are and what is this life. So this going with the flow vis-a-vis this question, we can compare with a man who is driving a taxi and he knows how to drive the taxi very well. And he is going in the taxi at good speed, full control. He knows all the processes And you ask him that, well, you seem to be a very efficient taxi driver. He says, yes, thank you so much. I got an award for this and that. And then you ask him, where are you going? Well, that's something which I don't know. I don't care about that. I must know how to drive the taxi well. What are we going to speak to this person? If somebody tells us, a taxi driver, that I don't know where I am going. I don't know the destination if there is any. I don't know the path if it makes meaning, but... As and when I see a road, I turn this way or I turn that way and I am enjoying the driving. Now, I don't know what we would call this, but this is very much similar to a kind of existence which animals lead. They are driven by instincts spur of the moment. I know there are big philosophies which have been built around this. (laughs) Live in the moment. But live in the moment is something much more profound than what it appears to be. So this is one kind. The other is one to understand. Is there, why, what is this world? What is this, uh, who am I? There's a very beautiful poem of Sri A Vision of Science. And uh, I'm sorry, I love poetry and Sri poetry. So <laughs> time to time it comes. So this poem is where Sri very prophetically, in 1900, he writes this poem where he says all about science which has learned to drive our chariots by steam and the sky and the electrical currents. All this he has spoken of in that poem. So many prophetic poems of Sri this is one of them. And religion petrified is going into the background. Why? Because uh, science has come, the new God, and it has expuned religion that you are not needed. I am enough to take care. So, uh, while religion is going out, Shubhinder says there is a third angel which is waiting in the background and there is a small conversation between religion and science. So, religion speaks to science and says, Thou thinkest, term and end for thee are not. Though thy pride is great, thou hast forgot the sphinx that waits for thee beside the way. So we know the story of the sphinx. Sphinx is a mythical creature with the body of a lion or a lioness and the face of a woman and the wings of a bird. And it's an ancient Egyptian Greek mythology where 
as people cross across the desert of Thebes, the Sphinx asks only one question. Who is the creature who walks on four in the morning and on two in the afternoon and three at night? And those who could answer, it says, okay, you can go. And those who could not, it divorces them. This is the Sphinx that waits for thee along the way. All questions thou mayest answer, but one day. Her question shall await thee, that reply. What is her question? For they who cannot die, she slays them and their mangled bodies lie upon the highways of eternity. Unfortunately, death raises this question constantly upon life, that it's imperfect. There's something we have missed. So what is the question? Therefore, if thou wouldst live, answer first this one thing. Who art thou in this dungeon laboring? See, it's so interesting, uh, just to take a little bit of background. Uh, often I have, I'm sure all of us have these discussions uh, and uh, people wonder that, you know, what has made the Indian civilization not only survive, but if you look today, continues to grow. It is itself an enigma with all the challenges of invasions, uh, occupations, uh, dominations, all kinds of things. What really makes it survive and bounce back? It's because we answered some of the fundamental questions which are so important even in our everyday practical life. We often think, oh, these are abstractions. But based on this, our whole way we relate with our own, the life around us and uh, the world around us changes. And that has an impact upon, you know, so, for example, to, to take a little example that as at least when, I'm sure many of us when we were uh, growing up, at least in India, so we were taught, taught to, to wake up, touch the earth and do pranam, you know, mata hai. Uh, everything is uh, sacred. Everything is, uh, of course, the Druids knew it, the ancient Celtic cultures knew it. It's, it was there, the sense of the sacred. So we regarded everything. River is sacred, mountain is sacred. So we grew up with this sense of the divinity imminent in all things. This was the beauty and strength of Sanatan Dharma and continues to be its beauty and strength. It didn't mean that there is no one reality. Of course there is one reality. It's common sense. It doesn't require very profound abstractions. There cannot be multiple realities for multiple people. But we connected this one reality with its presence in everything. When we forget it, then what happens? Everything is for my enjoyment and pleasure and God also is for my enjoyment and pleasure. So we create conceptions of God where a God punishes or rewards us based on how we bribe him. <laughs> and sometimes very easy to bribe him with Pach Rupiya Barahana, you know, buy some prasad for him or simply just change your name from... Uh, Alok, I change my name to something else. So suddenly God is very favorable. And I mean, such foolish things we, we, we still continue to believe in today's time. But I mean, my, I mean, change my name, it doesn't change my identity, does it? Names are not, I mean, identities are not dependent on names. It's not dependent on the place where I am born. It's not dependent on my belief systems. That's the beauty of Indian conception. It went deep beyond all these things. What is that identity which is uh, something which will continue. Is there an identity like that or we, it vanishes and then there is a new formation. 
So in Indian thought, there have been very profound answers because it went beyond the intellectual conceptions of the universe. By intellectual conceptions, mean I mean that when we are in the night below the stars and even let's say the full moonlight, we are debating and discussing whether there is sun or not. So, you know, we have the theist camp of believers who say, there is sun, you know, why? Because our Purvaj has said so, (laughs) or X or Y or Z said so. Somebody will give us, oh, see, there is a light coming from the moon. Where is the source? Probably there is a sun. That is a believer. And the non-believer says, very simple, I have not seen the sun. So, both are on the same level, except that perhaps the believer will probably wait for the day and he will know the sun has arisen. So, Intellectual conceptions are like that and they have their utility when we are striving in ignorance and there are plenty of those conceptions and I'll not get into that. They form different schools of thought, ideologies and you know which each tries to govern the world according to its own belief system. So belief system is not only in religion but also in ideologies. But then beyond it, in Indian thought we have this idea of a spiritual evolution that it's possible to see the sun. And the way through which we wait and see the sun is what is called as yoga. So yoga is unique to Indian thought. (laughs) Mysticism has been there always. But India is preserved and yoga is not about physical exercises. I mean, uh, physical exercises are only in one system of yoga, which is hot yoga. And even Patanjali takes it up as a very small measure. But yoga is about union with the divine. This is something very unique about Sanatan Dharma and that's why I say it's not a religion at all because in a religion you have a doctrine and a belief and a dogma. You believe there is God. Can I see him? No, you cannot see him. Can I become one with him? No, you cannot become one with him. There is a fundamental division between who we are and what that greater reality is. So what we can do with this uh, kind of a, you know, Reality, we can probably worship, appease, maybe he will time to time come and help us. I'm so sorry. Okay. So that life-threatening situation was for me. Huh? Okay. <laughs> so, one moment, I'll just close this. Just give me a moment. So, uh, we have this kind of a conception where God is there, up out there, and we are humans. Forever there is a gulf between us and God. Uh, we may not call God, it doesn't matter, names. I mean, he is not really bothered, I'm sure, whether, whether we call him by this name or that name. Uh, but how we conceive, it's not important what name we call him, but it's important how we conceive. So, we see there are primitive conceptions of that reality. And according to the primitive conception, God is like an autocratic CEO who punishes us and rewards us, whom we must be afraid of. Just imagine, you know, God fearing. Imagine a person who makes us afraid with a rod and a carrot and makes us worship him by force. And yet, there are people who believe in that conception. But what India has given to the world, this background is important before we come to Shurabindu because Shurabindu is like the PhD. So, so India has given the conception that man thou art God. Deep within us there is the divine element which is present. We can become one with the divine. And uh, it has created not God-fearing people. It has created God-loving people. 
And truly speaking, even if we say in terms of self-love, to love God is truly speaking in the deepest sense of the word to love oneself. Because it means to love that which is highest, noblest, most beautifulest, if, if we can coin an expression, the loveliest, the divinest element. And when we discover that element within us, love that element, we love that element in the whole creation. Because then we are able to see and pick out. And that's how I said that a whole Sanatan Sabeta was formed where we discovered God, that reality in everything, worshipped everything with a sense of sacred. So thus far yoga has taken us and because of this conception that we can become one with God, we have several lines of spiritual advancement. So India has been in that sense the frontier of human potential research if you want to use in modern technology. Because we have always uh, tried to understand, know, experience that greater reality which the intellectual conception cannot catch. As I said, Indian intellectual conception is like in the night we are debating uh, whether God exists or not. And there are you know, several funny stories about it. It's like people reading a book uh, on the sea and they are uh, claiming to be each <laughs> who knows the sea. Why? Because you have read more books, you, can, you have delivered more talks on the sea. But actually when you come to the sea, it's appalling. I'm sure many of us have experienced. First contact is very nice. You step a few steps inside the sea. But if you try to go further, as the water begins to rise, it's very appalling. It's immensity beyond measure. That's what is the divine reality. All those who have sought him. And therefore, the totality of this divine reality has always escaped us. Because it means we should be willing to take the plunge and go right into its heart, core, what's happening there. So, because of this reason, spiritual evolution itself has taken a very, very long process. So, if we really look at it, what's happening on planet Earth from one perspective, the perspective that Shurabind gives us, we can say that earth is the laboratory of the divine and the most happening place. So what's happening here? So what's happening here is a very complex evolutionary process through which something more than man is being prepared. So earth is a laboratory. And in that laboratory, if I may add, India is the uh, that laboratory of laboratories. In every laboratory you have the core place where the real research is going on. Like if you go to a nuclear research facility, there will be one place where not all can enter because you need to be well guarded. So India is like that combination of most diverse things for a complex evolution. And I say so very logically because if we look at India, the way it has explored the domains beyond the human mind is amazing. So many paths, so many approaches, so many ways and sometimes we do a gross injustice by saying sab ek hai. Go to a shop and say Are ye cheesecake and pineapple cake and this cake. They are all same. He will say please leave the shop and go. You don't value <laughs> my stuff. So well, uh, it has explored many, many ways and in the course it has come up with two, three ways of understanding that reality. We may use the word God, divine, doesn't matter. That one source and vis-a-vis -vis us and the world. Because one of the biggest challenge has been that when people discovered that reality, they found it is so wonderful, blissful, beautiful. You know, there are such poems written on the just the beauty of God. Adharam, Madhuram, 
Everything is Madhuram, Madhuram, Madhurashtakam, those of us who have heard. The sweetness of God. And then when you look at this world, sweetness is, uh, even when we find, we are not sure whether it's laced with poison. <laughs> People are taught, beware of too much of sweetness, because it may cause diabetes. So even human sweetness. So there has been such a contrast that those who went into the beyond tried to figure out ki what, what is the relation. Some declared there is no relation actually. And all this is simply kind of illusion which has been created. By whom we don't know or perhaps God knows. Literally God knows. And the big problem of this illusion theory is that it, how much ever we may say that it's an illusion, still we can't just live our life that way. Even the Swamiji's who go over the world to teach it's an illusion. At the end of the day, they want a heavy fee. Isn't it? So isn't it strange? There is one Vivekananda who is an exception. <laughs> he didn't come for anything. But plenty who, after saying this world is an illusion, want to increase their own store of illusion. It's a paradox. And to teach about illusion to whom? To illusory beings? Isn't it? Doesn't it raise alarms? Whom are you teaching about illusion? When the teacher is an illusion, when the audience is an illusion... Then teaching also is an illusion. If there is only one reality, all is an illusion. Nothing needs to be taught to anyone about anything. Because anyways, it's a shadow thing which is going on. And uh, to awaken to what? Who will be awakened when even the individual soul is an illusion? So there are extreme doctrines like that. For instance, Buddhism, Anatmavad. So this question arises. These were unsolved questions which human mind has sought, at least I have sought with all having read all the Western and Eastern thought and uh, the Vedas, the Upanishads and of course Gete and Kant and of course Christianity, Theosophy and Islam. I used to wonder that, you know, what is this talk going on about? It doesn't make sense. Something is missing. And what that missing is, what is the relation of this creation to that which is beyond compare? And if he created this world, then it's a bad job. I mean, honestly speaking, <laughs> I was, as I was entering, I read that wonderful quote of Swami Vivekananda, which of course, you want to say courageously, whatever you, you truly believe in. Yes, it's a bad thought if this is the last product. Because this struggling creature with uh, hardly, who knows not what is the next step in front, as in Savitri, Shobindo says that, you know, Man still a child in nature's mighty hands in the succession of the moment lives. To a changing present is his narrow right. The future flees before him as he moves. His memory steers back at a phantom past. He sees imagined garments, not a face. It's a pitiable condition actually. And I wonder how we can really be satisfied with this degree of uh, we talk about science, the whole effort of science is to predict, that's how, you know. All science is ultimately about the power of capability of prediction. And we can't predict what's going to happen in my life the next moment. This is the degree of uncertainty in which we live. So when we really look at life that way, we see a gap between the spiritual understanding and where we live. So one way, it's on illusion. It's a non-existent uh, something. 
So there is another way of looking at it. Well, it's not an illusion. But nevertheless, this gap between you and God cannot ever be bridged. And you can supplicate, you can pray, you can worship, but that's it. If he has to help you, he'll help. There are also doctrines which say he cannot help because he's just a witness. Suryo yatha sarva lokasya chakshu nalipyate chakshu shayabhayatosha. He's watching this play. Not a very good play. <laughs> but he's watching. He takes a fancy. And he's watching this play. And of course, there is another extreme kind of doctrine that says there is no God, no reality. That is a big problem. It says everything has sprung up by random chance, accident, somehow, somewhere, any which way. It neither appeals to common sense nor to a basic intelligence. That yes, everything has sprung up just randomly, accidentally, by chance and it has created out of dust this creature called man who is questioning himself and the world. It's too much of chance and too much of randomness, too much of accident creating order. So, there is a gap which has remained in our understanding of who we are, what this world is, whatever is our true relation. And that's where we see Shurabindo comes in and fills this gap which is critical to the way we are going to live. The first thing that he says, which is something very beautiful and this one thought if we can take in life that we look at things, people, situations in freeze time. You know, when you take a picture, it's frozen. Many things have happened before it, but more importantly, many things are going to happen after it. And this picture doesn't give me an idea of that. Take for example human beings. We say, oh such and such a person is like this. And we condemn forever. And this such and such a person who is apparently Jagai and Madhai, we may have heard the story in famous fame, the story of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, have the potential to change, transform his life. Or Angulimal or Augustine and many others who can completely change. So human beings are constantly changing. So a key word in Sri is evolution. And this idea that progress and evolution is not over with man is something which is central to Sri teaching. And that central element is that man's evolution is not over. Man is a transitional being and just as the labor of some force, some energy, whatever we may call it, has brought out man, I won't even use the word creation because it has emerged like each species emerging, has emerged as man, there are more, there is more which is to come. This thought has time to time come to human beings. Um, there are ideas that human evolution is not over. Nietzsche gave this idea. Um, there are others who have given this idea that human evolution is not over. Now, why it changes the perspective? It changes the perspective in the sense now we have a very tangible, valid goal towards which we are moving. I am not uh, a finished product and that makes sense. That explains this world that... You know, it's like when you go to see how a murti of Durgaji is made. I don't know how many people are aware. There are such beautiful things in Indian thought which uh, we are not aware. One of them is that when a murti of Durga is being made idle, um, any idea where all we get the mud from? 
do they pick up mud from one place and make an idol? We pick the mud from many places and one of them is from a brothel. Just look at the beauty of this symbolic thought. That the feminine is still there even in the most fallen apparently. Still there is in her something of the Devi, the Goddess. And through all this mud from different places. Now I don't know what they do in commerce but this is how Durga idol is supposed to be made. And then you worship her as the eternal feminine. So then the, the idol is made and then the next level is to give it a prana pratishtha and then the rest of the story follows. Now imagine if we were to look at a stage when only some limbs are formed and eyes are the last which are supposed to be made. So what sense will we are going to make out of it? We will see it's something very crude. Remember the story of Michelangelo who used to every day do this chipping of the stone and People in the neighborhood were very disturbed. You know, uh, thank God he was not in Sweden, where even at night, if you flush the toilet, it's illegal. So this man in those days, he was chipping and it was creating a sound, and the villagers were very disturbed by this behavior. And one day, uh, they went and saw them. They gave up. That's a madman. They got used to this. So you know, this idea that it's okay, somebody is doing something, and they even started sleeping with it. So one day there was no sound. So now they were disturbed because now this sound which had become music to their ears is missing. So everybody is waiting that when the day comes we will see maybe he is dead. So when they go and see, they see that a beautiful, uh, magnificent uh, rock idol is standing before them. Because he had completed the work. So they asked him that, uh, how did you make this beautiful idol out of rock. And he gave a very interesting answer. He said, because I saw it there. So what is that key thing that Shurabindu says? He says, man, however he may seem today, is not the final finished product. There is something going to come greater than man. Who is going to make it? He is not leaving it to chance. He is not saying somehow it will happen. See, logically, even logically, actually, as I keep saying, uh, even before I had read about Shivinda, even as an agnostic, one thing was very clear before me that you know evolution can't stop with man. That's sheer common sense and logic. So, who is going to make it? So, we have this another conception in Indian thought that God is not just governing his kingdom in absentio from above, but he can take a human birth and lead evolution. March of civilization, Lok Sangraharth, as the Gita says, forward and forward. This idea of a divine descent into humanity, we see so forcefully in the Gita. Yada yada hi dharmasya glani bhavati bharata, abhyutthanam dharmasya tadatma So this idea of the divine intervening in our life, not only individually. Individually is okay, I pray and something happens, miracle or magic. But collectively is one of the most powerful doctrines that have ever been given. This exists in other religions also, at least in Christianity it is there. Even in Buddhism in a sense, if you look at the Jataka tales. But except that, there it becomes stop. Okay, Buddha is the last or Christ is the last or so and so is the last. But in India... There is this idea of a continuous spiritual evolution both individually and collectively. 
and this is like the missing thread the inner life which is continuing beyond one body so the thread of continuing evolution is rebirth for individual rebirth is not about reward and punishment but about this evolution towards which we are moving from life to life we are growing from one class to another one to two to three so original vedanta is that in original vedanta there is no retrogression that's what swami vivekananda said with such a power in his message that well we don't believe that man is forever condemned or a fallen being but we believe that man has a divine nature and through the evolution this uh, he is always moving forward and eventually this will emerge it's bound to emerge already we see its first signs in the search for idealism today's century particularly because all the past formulas are being broken human beings are trying to seek is there something more better higher more perfect so this idea that there is an evolutionary progression individually has been existing in vedantic thought it is there and that's why it is said that after 84 lakh births very interesting maybe i don't know somebody has to take account of the species you eventually become human but then where it falters is that human is the last from here you advance individually from life to life though the form remains same till there comes a time where you finally can project and vanish in that ultimate reality here comes the problem that all this drama to eventually vanish into a reality so why all this was created we go back to the original question imagine somebody a child is abandoned from uh, birth and we have stories like that <laughs> edipus uh, odysseus uh, edipus story uh, the sphinx i was just referring to even paris in trojan war but so you have gone far away and then one day ultimately you have gone through adventures and you have suffered struggled grown strong at the end dad says come back home so what for now you, your term is over come back so the child would question if all this struggle and challenges that i had to go through had to end this way that i come back and vanish and finish then why did you send me at all and it's not a simple world it's a delightful world but it's also a dangerous world where every joy hides within itself a worm which can any time strike you know like a poison fruit not that everything is like that but it is also there so here comes this new thought that shubhendra gives that not only with human form the journey is still we can discover the divine but then after discovery that is not the end of the journey we have to manifest the divine so you know he brings a new thought not mayavad mayavad is this is illusion then there is leela it's god's play mysterious play where does the play end well it doesn't end it goes on to cycles of satyuk to kali and then back and some say it goes back this way some say directly whatever it is is kind of wheel in which we are caught so here shubhendra says that well his thought is that well this evolutionary journey now takes up the other challenge after discovering the divine presence within we must also labor to make this form worthy of the inhabitant let's take an example the example can be that supposing somebody has learned all the music which is available through the ragas and gurus 
But he says, no, I want to learn extreme music, ultimate. So he'll probably look for flute of Krishna or maybe Shiva's Nad. Let's say that he wants to learn the flute of Krishna. So Chutnaranji used to say this story that there was once a person who came from all the way from America to India because he wanted to learn the that Krishna's time is there a tape of flute of Krishna because they were so advanced they must have recorded something. So he goes to the culture ministry and culture ministry says, Are, why have you come doing all this nonsense? We have proved that 40% Krishna did not exist. You are wasting your time and so on and so forth and gifts are exchanged and then he goes to Vrindavan seeking for flute of Krishna. And uh, you can't find that flute or the record. So what does the mystics do? They go in search of this extreme possibility, whether of music or consciousness, of power, of knowledge. And they discover, let's say, for instance, they hear the flute of Krishna. A yogi hears. After all, this is a valid inner experience. Mira speaks about it and many others. Now what do you do? That flute cannot be translated because we are not... We can hear it, but we cannot really play that flute. If I try to play it, I will end up with, at most, becoming Hari Prasad Chaurasya, not Hari. Hari is different. Hari Prasad Chaurasya is different. <laughs> so this is the biggest challenge that I may discover the divine within me, but then there should be a way, a mechanism that all this discovery I can translate and manifest in everyday life, including the most outward action. This knowledge, this power, this bliss, this love should come in my everyday dealing. Just imagine if people were relating with each other the way divine relates with each other. Through that wisdom, through that power, through that love, that ananda, that peace. How beautiful life would become. So many would say that's not possible. But if that is not possible, then the entire thing collapses. Then the whole journey becomes meaningless. If it must stop with man. And Shobindu says no. All creation is essentially a manifestation of the divine. Who is hidden in every element. And in the course of this manifestation. It's building forms and names. As the Isha Upanishad says. Isha Vasyam idam sarvam yatkincha jagatyam jagat. So it is building habitations for the Lord. And human habitation or human body. Is one such beautiful habitation. Where the divine can now dwell because in human beings there is a possibility of seeking the highest and then the next level where not only we will be able to seek the highest there is something unique about human body even gods want to take the body according to the Upanishads if they want to evolve further because human beings are very strange creatures of course we don't call ourselves strange creatures but as Shurabindu says, animals are satisfied with a modicum of necessity. Gods are content with their splendor. Sometimes not good to have too much of splendor because there is too much contentment, comfort zones. And animals, uh, roti kapda makan. So animal um, political ideology will be only roti kapda makan is the need of man. Whereas the godlike uh, political ideology will be we want all the best riches and comforts. <laughs> Both do not really help us. So he says, human beings are the most dissatisfied. And therefore, man is the one creature who is capable of being seized with a splendor. Search for that ultimate splendor. 
it begins to give us a new meaning or new sense of all our struggles. They are not a punishment. Who knows if they are not a grace? The mother would say, whenever you meet a challenge in life, take it as a grace and it will be so. Nobody is punishing us because of some sins. If that was the case, Draupadi and Pandav would have been big sinners and Rama himself. And Duryodhan must have been a very saintly, hallowed man who somehow suffered a fall and became the ambitious, jealous, <laughs> you know, possessive prince. So we have missed that meaning of God in creation. And Shubhinda says that. So challenge is an individual life which stretches beyond limits. See how it has an impact in the field of psychology. As a psychiatrist, I always, you know, look at it like this. That if you face a challenge, it's a blessing. And if the challenge is extreme, then it's a tremendous grace. But we can make one of the two options. Break down under it or we reorient ourselves. Anybody who faces these things in life must question, what is this life about? And if we have not raised this question, not sought, then we have missed the opportunity that this challenge had provided. So when we see today humanity going through so many challenges, the mother says that it is because there is this urge within humanity to break through the human barrier and evolve into spiritual beings. That's what Shurabindu said, that with technological advancement, a dangerous situation has been created where all this technology is the disposal of man which is still largely like an animal. And if he doesn't evolve, then either we have the uh, scenario of rise of the machines, Isaac Asimov, where machines take over. Of course, the first law of robotics is that, you know, machine will not harm human. But, you know, if you have self-thinking machines, or whatever we may say, self-learning machines, machine learning, not self-thinking, but machine learning, that's very much possible. It may say that humans should be wiped out. Or the other option which is before us, and that's a pressing option, is that we evolve from this mental creature, MI, mental intelligence, or human intelligence, HI, instead of AI, AI is okay, but into DI and SI. DI is divine intelligence and SI is spiritual intelligence. So this is the urgency and Shurabindu's coming has been at that juncture when humanity is going to face this riddle. That's why we see that so much has happened during last century. It's unimaginable. Fixed ways of life, fixed systems of thought, fixed ideological principles, fixed political scenarios. British Empire mein Raj kabhi dubta nahi hai. So kya? Sun doesn't set in the British Empire. Today we don't know whether British Empire may be whether it's going to really rise or it's going to be. See, the kind of change. Look at the way the whole scenario geopolitical it's continuing to happening, happen. So why this is all happening? Because man is being Sagar Manthan, where you know you are churning of human consciousness, new thoughts, new ways of life. Um, are drawing human attention. Some are being given a spin in the reverse way. So all these modern thoughts we see have been answered beautifully. Someone was asking, uh, what's your take on LGBTQ+. So well, uh, it's an inner truth that the soul has no gender. But when you catch that truth outwardly, then you create a mess. 
because this world is not to be created there is no uni unity in uniformity it's uni unity in diversity now imagine if you say all are same france did it in charles de gaulle's time you know what happened algeria and french i don't want to say which population it was and they got married he said we'll create a new ground race and today it's burning because you can't create even uniformity of thought that no all are same is also a kind of thought which becomes intolerant of any other idea look at the at the mental level we will try many solutions but they are going to fail let me put it like this so what is the option there we see shurbindo calling us towards a new adventure the mother called it the greatest of adventure spiritual life itself is a great adventure those who love adventure who are not satisfied with just going to the outer himalayas but want to climb the inner himalayas and then this is the extreme adventure where not only we discover inside but even the very body mind life speech feelings everything should be molded to perfectly express and manifest the perfection that we discover within there's another on the passage that saying of swami vivekananda that the divine perfection is within us and it is this we have to express that means our life must become a perfect expression of this divine reality within right now it is not and our belief in the divine or even finding the divine doesn't impact this life if we are not able to manifest it and now comes this possibility of manifesting the divine perfection in terms of our outer life that's what the mother has used the word like new manifestation why it is new because up till now we have manifested only human consciousness divine has been discovered inside but manifested in terms of every level so it's called a new manifestation new for the earth and this is shobindo's core message his teaching if you like to say so and the path he has shown towards this next evolution next through which not only our individual life can be perfected but also the collective life now it doesn't matter whether there are uh, it's not like this change is going to happen in all the people in the world will wake up one day and say oh lo and behold <laughs> life has changed it will happen through a few people in different little groups islets who will feel the necessity of this new change and they will strive towards it and eventually when there is a sufficient number the breakthrough takes place we have beautiful passages in savitri describing this vision but one with which we will stop and probably take question answers is um, it starts with thus shall the master mount his throne when darkness deepens strangling the earth's breast and man's corporeal mind is the only guide only lamp as a thieves in the night shall we the covert tread so that's how he describes god invading silently while we are asleep in the night then he goes on to say that and man god shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep they are debating everything except can man evolve to something better than if he cannot evolve whatever we may try whatever system we may put in place it is going to collapse because the critical factor is man not a system 
you have the most liberal system apparently but it will collapse because human beings are the same they will find a way it's like you know typical uh, I'm sorry but like lawyers they will find a loophole in the law you may make any amount of laws and bylaws and clauses you will find a way figure out so God shall grow up while the wise men talk and sleep for man shall not know the coming till its hour and belief shall be not till the work is done. So there, Shubhendra has not only given this vision, he has assured us, as the mother said, he is the promise of the future. He is the future, marching towards its own realizations. He brings hope that, well, why there is hope? Because man's evolution is not over. And that's so logical. Because if we remain what we are, to say that there is hope by manipulating systems, knowing very well that we are driven by greed, desire, ego and everything else, ambition. So this is going to end up in a mess. Already it is. But if human beings can evolve into God-like humanity or still further a divine superhumanity of the future, then there is a possibility. And it is this that Shurabindu declared, announced and gave us a way to uh, move towards that. Now, Who will move? Who will accept that invitation? is left up to the divine. There is no, in this yoga, nobody converts anyone. And it is like a call which must arise from within. Obviously, there is a whole group of humanity which is satisfied with the way it is. It's okay. <laughs> As I said, there are different layers. And there is a group of humanity which are which is happy with its own intellectual conceptions. I have seen people, strangely, they are very happy that there is a God who punishes us whom we must be afraid. And I said, don't you find it silly? No, 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 that's how God is because you can't argue with dogmatism and you should not. It's okay. You're happy in your belief system. illogical <laughs> But that's how we can, you know, I don't know if there is any creature more who can revel in absurdity than human as Einstein once remarked. There are only two things infinite in the world. One is the universe and the other is human stupidity. And then he says, of the former I am not sure. <laughs> but human stupidity, to believe in that kind of doctrines and you know, live by it. Uh, but uh, well, each to his own way of life. But this idea of spiritual evolution, of something more than man, if that excites us, if that draws us, not because we will become superman. No, not at all. But because it brings hope amidst the darkness. It gives us a direction and a purpose. It makes sense of our struggles and difficulties and challenges individually. Every time I face a challenge, I know that, well, nobody is punishing me for anything that I may have done in God knows five lives back or whenever. But it is a grace. It is a challenge given to me to evolve through it. Not just past it. All species have evolved through these challenges. Then life, it makes sense, it makes exciting, it becomes exciting. And life becomes, our own life becomes the most happening thing. Because we become the grand laboratory of God. So I'll stop here. And uh, yes, so and take up uh, questions as many as we wish to of any kind. So, 
my background is that I am from the Indian Air Force, was taken premature retirement, and I am a psychiatrist by profession. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, what drew me towards Shorabindo is this seeking, this dissatisfaction with all that. Uh, and presently, I am with the Shorabindo Ashram, Pondicherry, for the last uh, 21 years, living there permanently. Otherwise, I have been in connection for a long time. So, but questions can be anything on any kind. Yes, please. Well, as you have described, your focus, mankind has to focus. So you have an environment, how to focus. Hmm. And the preconceived idea that you have currently, it doesn't allow us to focus. Yes, absolutely. That's absolutely true. I'll just uh, rephrase the question that uh, man is meant for progress. Very true. That it is what characterizes us. Unlike the animal which is satisfied. Unlike the gods who are satisfied. <laughs> so we are born to progress. But initially this progress takes the form of outer material progress. As we evolve, there is the idea of intellectual progress. And if we evolve still further, there is the idea of spiritual progress and so on and so forth. So the question is, what is the role of environment? Let me put it this way. Actually, we can look at it both ways. So environment, even the most extreme environment can become a big feeder. As I said, the greater the challenge, the greater the possibility. And I take just one example out of many. So we know that how the transition took place from the um, river of water living creatures to the creature which we know as the tadpole, half land and half kurma avatar, out of matsya avatar. Let's put it our whole parable of dash avatar is an evolutionary tale. So how the transition took place? Because uh, suddenly popped a mudfish and was thrown into the mud, you know, somewhere was flying fishes. So uh, the first flying fishes were these restless creatures who jumped out of little and, you know, uh, water bodies and entered into the mud and in the mud they were uh, trying to breathe with little water they were literally getting stifled if you see the way mud fishes uh, it's very sad it's painful they are struggling to breathe why because they they know how to breathe in water they don't know how to breathe in land but they are in a little uh, like cesspool where there is water but very little so they are trying to struggle but these are the ones which evolved into the tadpole. Let me narrate another example, purely biological examples, not uh, theoretical. So how did human evolution take place? In Ramayana, of course, we have the story of Sugriva and Vali, which is very interesting about evolution from the Vanar type of humanity. They are not Bandar, but they are Vanara, which is one of the early stages, animal man evolving into human by uh, Sandhi with Ram. One does the sandhi, one says my might is right. So that's the whole story. But let me put, uh, put it in scientific perspective. So how did uh, this chimps evolve into humans? So it was not the best chimps. So what happened is that in the African, as the, uh, as the understanding goes, I won't say story because it's how science understands today. So uh, there was shortage of, increasing shortage of, uh, food supply and you know uh, things which which they used to live upon 
and uh, though they didn't have a meeting, but we can imagine that they had a meeting, ki kya karna hai? what are we going to do about it? <laughs> so once the stronger monkey, ape, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but the stronger ape took this, that no, no, we'll stay here, we'll figure out. And the other type said, we take the challenge of moving out. It didn't say anything, but it was driven by that urge. That Chalte kuch kahin kuch hoga. They didn't say this to each other, but I'm sure some kind of communication probably took place. So this ape that moved out evolved into humans. This is the actual story. It can be checked. Whereas the apes that did not buzz out, they were stronger, but they continued to remain apes. So um, when we are faced with extreme difficulty, See, what is difficulty? It challenges to find extreme ways. So, similarly with thought, that no, God punishes us, God is like this, or there is no God. These are very childish notions and it challenges our mind. So, then we come out with new ways of thought, new ways of understanding life. So, ultimately, to make the whole uh, story short, uh, it depends on how we look at situation and circumstances. Uh, there is a small little story of Meera um, uh, when, when time came for a marriage. So Meera was not sure what I should do. So she went and asked one of the aunts. She says, Meri to Shyam se rang uh, lagan lag gai hai. Ho chuka hai mera marriage with Shyam. Main to saavare ke rang rachi. Uh, but you know, they want me to marry. What should I do? So aunt says, doesn't matter. You should marry. She said, why do you say? She says, in my own experience, I have a husband. Oh, is so good. Morning, he gives me breakfast. Then he prepares lunch. <laughs> he looks after everything. And therefore, I have so much time to dedicate to Hari. So she says, oh, that's good. That makes life even more easy. <laughs> but then, <laughs> Meera says, Kuch gadwad aisa model banta nahi hai. Ye to aise hai. Kuch shadi karne ke liye. Such men are rare. Uh, so she goes and asks another aunt. She says, you should marry because see, I got married. My husband doesn't look after me. He's so callous, careless. But because of this, I can't be attached to him. And therefore, I can easily turn my thoughts to God. So then Mira realizes that ultimately it's the attitude with which we take the challenges of life. So I suppose um, as a Vibhishan, as it's described in Ramcharit Manas. So Hanuman asks him, how are you living in this place? He says, uh, as a tongue dwells between 32 teeth. <laughs> That's how I'm living. But because I have no choice all the time, Ram Ram ki ratna. Because, you know, Vibhishan has no choice. He doesn't even have a vegetarian restaurant in Lanka. So kya karega bichara? So Ram 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 Ram. So... Ulta naam japa jagjana, that of course to Valmiki, Valmiki bhai Brahma Samana. So it is not the outer situation, but the attitude with which we face it. So one can be anywhere, as one of the places Mother says, one of Sri Aurobindo's message, that we don't have to leave this world to find God. We don't have to enter into limited beliefs to find God. He is everywhere and in everything. And if we do not discover it, it's because we have not cared to discover him. Now, this is the problem with belief systems. What you said is preconceived ideas. God is only there in a particular temple or mosque or wherever, I don't know. 
whether he lives in any of them. I remember a joke of when the churches were being made for the blacks to <laughs> go and pray elsewhere. I'm sure people know this part of history. So one of the black men who had worked uh, for long in a particular church, he was very disheartened. Five years he had worked and he was feeling that from tomorrow I am supposed to go to another church and pray. And it seems Christ appeared before him. Bacha, kya ho gaya? Why you are so disheartened? He says, I last so many years I have worked in this church and they are driving me out today. So he says, don't worry. They have driven me out five years back. We are in good company. So you see, um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this idea in today's time, we have to come out of that, you know, uh, God is found only in, uh, well, I don't want to name Mecca or Vatican or XYZ in, in Banaras or any place. He is everywhere. This is the fundamental teaching of spiritual life. And why can't he be here at this very moment, at this point? It's just that we don't know how to connect with him. If it is true that he is everywhere in everything, then it's a question of how Prahlad led his life. So, that is the paradox. I often say that in schools we are teaching the gospel of Hiranyakashup. You manage this, manage that, manage this, manage that, all the outer conditions, so one day you may not die. Isn't it? Yet Kimasharyam strikes us, men die. The other is like Prahlad. Hari, 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 and finally, Hiran Kashapasim is he there in this uh, most material block of stone, the pillar, and he says, Yes, he's there, my Hari is there. <laughs> and he breaks it, and Hari appears, taking his own form. So, this has been the great teaching of all the wise ones that any condition, and Shurabindo in the mother's own life, Shurabindo's life, just imagine what is the time when he has taken a literally a spiritual leap, if you may use the word, is in the Alipur jail. When the sword is uh, hanging over him, so whenever um, uh, you know anyone feels distressed about life, I often say this. People say, count your blessings, look at how uh, compared to others you are. I suggest read Sherbindo's Tales of Prison Life. Tales of Prison Life. Look at, you know, how in that jail Sherbindo found God and later on he says in one of his aphorisms that they... Uh, I went to a place full of holy men and I got bored. Then God took me to a prison and that became my trysting ground with divine, with God. So, um, uh, Shobindu's own life is a perfect example of how every situation is nothing else but God trying to snatch away all supports. See, either we give up by ourselves or he will snatch away. When he starts snatching away, till there is only one support. And that is the divine. So we have this uh, story of Draupadi and gopis. So gopis have to ultimately, they learn to abandon themselves completely. He snatches the robe of sin. He snatches the robe of virtue. Then they belong utterly to Krishna. But Draupadi, because she is Yagyaseni, you can't touch her. She is flame, fire. So, ultimately, all the support, she used to be very, I have five husbands, nobody can touch me, how dare. Then there is Bhishma, Drone, all of them are helpless. And then, during that time, Sri Krishna appears in, in a moment of apocalypse. And we know that story that she, she asked Krishna, why did you take so long in coming? She says, because you were calling me as if I am very far. Vai kuntha nivasini, nivasi, etc, etc. 
But the moment you said, Hirdaya Kamala Nivasi, he who dwells in the lotus of my heart, I appeared immediately. So, uh, how we conceive of God, how we connect with him, that matters. So, when every, the situation is completely you know, dense, there is a way of looking at life. One of the Urdu poets has said very beautifully, Sab nakhat, I'll translate in English, Sab nakhat ama ke dub gaye, sara akash tumara. So, he's invoking the sun. He's saying all the stars have set. It's dense night. So he says, son, you come. Now the whole field is clear for you to come. So, uh, well, if we hold the props one day or the other, when the time comes, the wake-up call, they begin to be snatched away. And if we don't respond to the wake-up call, then there is the shake-up call. And uh, if we still don't respond, then <laughs> God alone take care. <laughs> so it is much better that time rehte uh, so when life is still comfortable, we should uh, seek this greater, um, this greater journey, this deeper truth. So situations can be seen both ways. My personal experience of life and humanity is that very comfortable situations are often not a blessing at all. It's a sign probably, Prapatiji used to say, maybe God has not yet looked at you. Whereas when situations are difficult, then the evolutionary challenge is there. But if we can learn to look at the existence straight in the face, at the same time know that Krishna is with me, then Kurushetra becomes the uh, way towards the Gita, fulfillment of the Gita. So, situation uh, can be seen both ways. Attitudes must be cultivated. Yes, please. Yes. I have two questions. Yes, please. Huh? Let me start with the first one. What's your experience that is that God exists or is a concept? Okay, that's wonderful. So, yeah. So you were saying that we should evolve to divine. What's the property of divine? Okay. What was the first statement you said? What of the divine? What is the property of divine? Okay, quality on. So first I'll take up the first question. And since you asked from my experience, so I'll talk about that because I can give you empirical evidence that God exists. The fact that people who search they found or they had a glimpse. So that itself is enough empirically. Yeah, after this we'll take up. Oh, I'll repeat the question. Good, thank you. So, first question is that from my experience, uh, what is my experience with the God exists? So, uh, um, uh, I can answer this question impersonally and personally. Impersonally is that all who have sought, ask any mystic. And this world, if there is always behind the surface outer life, there was always a stream of spiritual life running like an under, undercurrent in all civilizations. Whether we take the Mayan civilization uh, in the American context or the Vedic civilization, the Chaldean civilization, always. And all mystics found something or the other which they called as God. Now, that's a different story, but they discovered something which is beyond the human uh, conceptions and understanding. So, to that extent, we can say that empirically, there is enough evidence based on those who searched. Now, there are people who don't search and they think about it. So now obviously that doesn't have much of meaning in the sense that um, one day I was watching one of the interviews, <laughs> Sachin Tendulkar on, 
on uh, on religion uh, or you know Shahrukh Khan on religion. They are not qualified, you know, like uh, they have not really studied the subject. They are good people. He is god of cricket, <laughs> and the other may be uh, regarded as you know Ra one of the Indian cinema. But <laughs> no, no, I don't mean pun intended. But well. Uh, I just saw him in the dream last night, so it was topmost. <laughs> well, the point is that they have not really made a search. It's like a scientist who has really not made a search, uh, or uh, like uh, you know, uh, a neurologist and someone who is a you know not even entered into MBBS school, and he says, you know what, neurons work like. <laughs> and say, look here, you know, study. It's a whole science, and I have spent a whole lifetime understanding it. So that's one impersonal evidence that if we take the word of those who really searched they found something or the other it was not necessarily exactly the same thing but they found now the second part is where where we come into play now one could be satisfied with this as a belief system that's where the problem lies religions are formed but in india it has been yoga not religion the way we understand so we say that you make a search so my quest was again this one was that uh, the personal aspect now i'm coming to i was not satisfied with all the conceptions of god frankly speaking um, so i became an agnostic so i said it's a it's much better to be a good human being a good doctor though it didn't make sense if there is no greater reality simply that i'll become a good doctor maybe a good human being doesn't make sense because i need to understand is there a meaning and purpose so this used to be behind but i became an agnostic and well i would literally say put it figuratively that god walked into my life i mean if i had to put it in a metaphorical way literally in the midst of all the hustle bustle of connaught place where something literally pulled me into a shop where i saw this book the synthesis of yoga sure bindu and that name did some tingling inside me literally it was kuch kuch hota hai i've never experienced this kuch kuch hota hai literally by seeing should be i said kuch kuch hota hai why i don't know till date i mean now i can say why that name created in me that uh, janjanaat ki what is this name it i i don't i can't explain it i never heard shirobindo's name not even as a revolutionary or freedom fighter or anything because agnostic sub spiritual people are all about maya which i don't want humanity anyways appeared strange so i was on a crossroad and that book i found the answers all my questions and that now from that the journey that has begun at that point of time is much more than uh, amply rewarding so if you ask my experience yes he exists i can only share with you one because these experiences are very intimate but this one is very objective and very scientific so i was uh, this is in 80 let me remember 84 perhaps or 85 it doesn't matter 84 85 i was 23 uh, 24 or 25 84 i was 24 24 25 25 years of age so uh, agnostic who had come across shirobindo synthesis of yoga at that point of time and it was kept i was just beginning to read a little bit and feeling happy about it and then i was walking on the road along with my uh, wife and we were going to watch a movie called new delhi times i don't know whether uh, we remember that film or not a very nicely made film it's a political satire uh, so uh, as i was walking on the road in patiala busy road with buses and all going i was inside in a different state than my wife she was about picture dekhna hai and wahin par dinner karenge kya karenge and i was in that state ki if there is god why doesn't he reveal himself this was exactly my question 
and suddenly within a moment i experience such a solid peace the only word i could think of is peace because everything was thrown miles away the truck which was going seemed like sounding from miles now i can describe all this experience give name to it and all that such i was drowned in that uh, sea of peace or whatever uh, i don't know why i call it peace uh, but it's the closest term that i can give uh, that something which completely engulfed me but that's okay that's i asked for it and something came but what was interesting that's where the objective scientific element comes that my wife experienced it but she didn't know because she had not asked anything and she entered into a strange inner state so in that state <laughs> whether you call it uh, divinely zombie or whatever we walked into the air force mess uh, that's where new delhi times was being you know screened and ko interesting yaar aadhe ghante baad we first broke the ice picture dekhna hai nahi ajeeb ho raha hai so we came out sat we are not even able to communicate to each other lot of mosquitoes swarming around but nothing is affecting us now i was aware ki kuch ho raha hai andar kuch kuch hota hai but she doesn't know what's happening so but i could not even speak debate discuss communicate so i said i think we should just rest we didn't have dinner nothing held our attention so we went we slept we woke up still there by 10 o'clock so i'm talking very objectively that began to fade into the background and then we exchanged notes ki kya hua tha kyon hua then i shared that this is how i experienced it now i have myself plenty and plenty of those experiences i am sure many of them have and these experiences for any one of us i am sure could be literally brought into a whole book so many experiences including uh, one of them was so fantastic all of them are there on the youtube so i don't want to sound repetitive where literally a human being is uh, expressing and all these are not like i i as a psychiatrist i know what is hallucination and one of the early experiences i wondered because <laughs> okay this one i'll share and then i that there are things which are beyond our reckoning so in pondicherry first visit so i had gone down to sit at the ocean i used to love you know contemplating looking at things in my own thought world and uh, again 25 that's uh, when i went to pondicherry or 26 uh, so i was um, this experience came before visiting pondicherry and i was not even interested for me it was not like should be the ashram bhi koi jagah hai who is the mother no idea but somehow finally i landed up that's a different story so i was sitting there and suddenly i had this vivid uh, image um, uh, somebody would say hallucination that myself and my wife are lying in mother's lap so i said what is this you know it, it shouldn't come what is happening to me am i losing hold of the senses and then i started, got up and started coming up so it was over rocks uh, then there were rocks and suddenly midway i slipped Uh, i must be lost in that reverie and i slipped and fell on the rocks trust me it was like those strobe effect falls where i literally carried full ki tarah somebody has placed me on the rocks and rocks and i was feeling a deep ananda inside now the only word i can use is ananda so i was experiencing this and i was like gira hu rock kuch impact i don't there is not a single forget the scratch even the impact that it's on rocks and then dr maheshwari who was with me suddenly saw mundi coming up and then 
fall, you know, disappearing. <laughs> Mundi is like my head. And I said, Alok. And then I got up and said, Mahishwari ji, everything is fine. And then I came up and narrated this whole thing. So the story didn't end there. That time, Chandradeep ji, one of the old sadhaks of ashram, many of them had this uh, intuitive uh, vision even now. So they, he was coming and he said, why don't you tell him? So I told him. He said, why don't you ask your wife what she was experiencing at this point of time on that particular day? I said, huh. My scientific mind came to the forefront. So I um, rang up and asked her, Ki, kya hua? did you experience something? He says, yeah, that day, you know, I felt I am going to die. It was such a splitting. And she is the last person on earth to be afraid. Man, a typical Punjabi, ki, like, uh, so he said, first time in my life I ever experienced something like a fear and perhaps the last time as if she is going to die. So I said, uh, and suddenly at that point of time, it all vanished. So I asked her, what were you wearing? And she told exactly the same color, same sari which I saw. Now, of course, we can say all this is chance and coincidence. But when so many chances and coincidences uh, multiply, then you wonder, this chance wali theory is by chance. Uh, this doesn't explain anything. So this is about my personal life, that whether there is God or not, ever abundant and I am sure this I am narrating because you asked me I am sure anybody who has sought uh, would of course testify to it uh, the second question is uh, qualities uh, I would not properties I would say quality though they are described typically in the scriptures so uh, how did the search for God began it began behind this ever changing world is there a stable ground now this is logical it's like somebody is dancing in mid air you say, yeah, this is cinema effect. Something is not Isn't it? There has to be ground on which we... So people are in search of the spiritual seekers. We will understand the dance later. Let us discover whether there is a stable ground. Which is unmoving, unchanging. So if you read the Isha Upanishad, it describes beautifully the qualities. One of them is Isha Vasyamidam Sarvam Yatkincha Jagatyam Jagat. Behind all this that is moving individually and universally there is the Isha who is hidden the Lord who is hidden behind appearances then it says very interestingly one unmoving who moves ever in front paradox so what is there which is unmoving which can move ever in front is there is such a ground which is simultaneously everywhere so I am here imagine there is a road on which I have to move so this road is not moving and yet when I move on the road, I will see it is ever moving in front. It is taking me to some destination. And imagine if this is an endless road in spaceless, timeless existence. So these were the original mysteries, how space and time came into existence on which uh, I must say that uh, we all belong proudly to that inheritance, which however we may disown that they raise these fundamental questions germane to understanding our own existence. So what did they discover? They discovered that yes, there is a stable ground. So first thing when we describe that God, uh, whatever we, we encounter is that stable ground. Why it is stable? Because it is unmoving and yet it is everywhere. It, it is not subject to disintegration. So the word uses uh, achyutam akshitam. You know, that's how Sri Krishna received this mantra from Ghor Rishi. Achyutam, that which never suffers a fall, never suffers a disintegration. So, Achyutam, Akshitam, that which cannot be depleted. So, this how it was described. Then, second aspect, 
how do we say that there are any qualities like that? There are several qualities people have described him as Anant Guna, uh, um, infinite. Now, there is a very simple, commonsensical answer to this. Um, if I were to ask all over the world, hold a survey, all kinds of surveys they hold, happiness index and <laughs> money index, but supposing a survey, what do uh, we want? We means each individual if we ask. And if we say happiness or sorrow, answer will be obvious. Uh, love or hate, answer will be obvious. Peace or trouble, uh, agitation, answer will be obvious. Knowledge or ignorance, answer will be obvious. Uh, death or immortality, answer will be obvious. Now, where is this seeking and obvious answer coming from intuitively? If there is no such thing. So, that's where we can say there is an indirect evidence that we are programmed because that is hidden within us. We begin to seek this. So, kasturi ka mrik jo firi It is smelling it, uh, that uh, kasturi, that musk, musk deer. It's smelling that smell from inside. And he is searching in the grass. So our life is like that, that we are looking for these perfections. So he is described as divine perfection. Now, if there was no such divine perfection as logical, rational human beings, we should not actually even be remotely expecting anything from anyone in this world. But the most avowed atheist still wants his wife or her husband (laughs) or her child or X, Y, Z to be Mr. Miss Perfect. And it's a very difficult spot to be in. <laughs> Nobody can be in this spot. But why we are seeking that this world should be perfect? If we believe there is no divinity, why should it be perfect at all? It should be destroyed. It will be destroyed. Now imagine telling people, why are you worried about the world? Let it be destroyed. Hey, you are not bothered? Why should I be bothered if there is no... any? It's all chance, random accident. It's better that it is destroyed because uh, at least I'll be f- we'll be freed from this mental harassment and suffering. So pe- what will people say? Regardless of our belief and non-beliefs, don't talk like a stupid person. Why? Because deep within us, there is this seeking for perfection. This seeking is indirectly an evidence, indirectly of course, that there is somewhere something which corresponds to what I am seeking. And strangely, this is also the cause of our suffering. We want Miss to be perfect and Mr. to be perfect. And we don't find. We want life to be perfect. When we don't find, we are unhappy. Isn't it? But that's where the spiritual thing comes in. You can discover it inside you. And then your life, at least inwardly, individually, will reach that perfection. Then you can express it, which is what Shirobindo speaks of. So he's, all the things that we seek in life, raise it to its nth level. I seek happiness. So God is perfect bliss quality. What is meant by perfect bliss? It is not, it doesn't change with changing situations. If it is summer, the bliss doesn't say, oh my God, I am sweaty. Or if there is a deluge, it doesn't say, oh my God, my bliss is gone. Because it is the ultimate of raise, change and it's a qualitative difference. Change pleasure into happiness, happiness into felicity, felicity into joy and take it to the ultimate origin, bliss. Same with knowledge. Our knowledge is always at best a reasoned guess. We all know that. So, yet we are striving for knowledge. So that perfect knowledge which is all-knowing, omniscient. Similarly, we seek for power. The perfect absolute power, one power which is there in everything and every, everywhere. 
and uh, love, that perfect love. So we can say the divine is the perfection of all that we seek ignorantly. And we are seeking because it exists somewhere. Like the, the you know, people were searching for India. Who was that fellow who was searching for India and came to America? Columbus. <laughs> so that's why they called Red Indians. But then his seeking was there. Poor fellow died. He didn't know this is not India. So now Indians have found America. <laughs> the one is seeking to fulfill Loki. So, uh, so this perfection that we are seeking in every sphere, in the divine, in the divine, they are all harmoniously there. But uh, to these individual aspects, we give the name of Godheads, Anand, May, Krishna. Then we have the Vishnu, Chetna, Sarup, Vishnu, or we have Shakti, Sarup, Shiv. Or we have Sat Swarup Brahma who brings out the existences. So Indian thought has given names to each of these aspects. But in the divine they all meet and harmonize together. So that is the qualities. They are described in Isha Upanishad also. Now obviously in the beginning one doesn't find all of them. It's like when I go to meet somebody, let's say the president. So like you know Modiji is that story that at uh, in 20s or something, he had come, or 30s probably, I don't remember. He came and stood outside White House. There is a picture also. Okay. So, are White House. When I took my friends, I was sleeping in the car. So, he was telling me, he said, Are you were sleeping? I looked I said, Doesn't matter. He said, I'll take you again. I said, No, no, it doesn't interest me. Another White House interests me. So, the point is, we start coming in contact with that reality, and I may say, This is White House. So, there have been people who have had a glimpse of that divine reality from afar that this is White House. So, somebody who has walked inside says, Nay, 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 andarao, fir dekho, kya nazara hai. So, somebody goes inside. And he goes into the lawn and he serves sharbat. I don't know what is given or not given. Or through a security check, purification process. And then, you know, you say, you know, White House. No, no, White House. No, this entrance. Then somebody assures you inside, okay, you are a guest, special guest. <laughs> so you are taken, you are meeting the ministers. So if you don't know, I mean, I'm putting it as an allegory. So you say, oh, you are a president. No, no, we are a servant. President is yet to come. So similarly in our quest for God, we have come in contact with that tremendous, stupendous, infinite, eternal reality, level by level. And based on that, human beings have created conceptions. So in these conceptions of God, based on the partial glimpse, but hardly anyone has seen him in his totality. That because if you see it, you can't bear it. That's how it is described. Sri Ramakrishna says, Haha kore gire pade. If you see it, you can't come back. Well, to the credit of Sri if I may use that word, he came back. So, the Gita speaks of Samagram Maam, to know him in all his parts and principles. And one test that the Gita gives is very interesting, that you want to see God in the world. So, Krishna, Arjun says that, you are speaking things, uh, Keshav, they are beyond my comprehension. Thoda uh, kuch, you know, we kunji hai, kuch. Tell me something which is tangible. How do I behold you? Then he says, there is a very interesting chapter called Vibhuti Yoga. Anything where you see in preeminence and abundance, know it to be my manifestation. So he says, Paurush mein mein Ram hoon, Nago mein mein Vasuki hoon, Parvato mein mein yeh hoon, 
so he gives anything which is preeminent that's why man has a tendency to worship the extraordinary the man of genius or even mountain which is stupendous why because somewhere we intuitively feel this is something extraordinary and it's a manifestation of the divine presence so all these qualities if we were to add will probably mountain height beyond measure towering to the skies sea and sky vastness so we could literally make a, a whole list of qualities and at the end we would say like kabir said hindi i'll say first saat samand ki masi karo lekhani sab ban rai dharti to kagat karu hari gun likhana jaye that if you make ink out of the seven oceans and pen out of all the trees don't cut trees ha huh? this is not uh, literal it's only a figurative thing <laughs> anyways people cut trees to build furnitures and then they lecture on uh, environment uh, <laughs> it is better to cut a tree and write something about god but anyways trees should not they are nice creatures so well uh, if we were to cut all the trees and make pen out of it and the entire earth as a slate as a paper still we will not be able to exhaust all the qualities of that one name which is hari so in the end they ended up saying om all that is waking is he om has those four aspects no and the outward jagrat all this that we see in the world um, outer world is he all that is there in the inner worlds hiranagarb so this is the virat and the hiran thought feelings everywhere constantly undergoing a churning that is he all that is yet to manifest pragya which of which we are not aware is he and all that is beyond all these three turiya is he so this is how they ended up describing because they found that uh, it is inexhaustible akshitam so that's how the qualities but yes people oversimplify god is love and then they land up in a mess because they don't know that god love can slay with compassion krishna's love slays kans and duryodhan why because one he was freeing these souls which were in dark bodies and he was freeing the earth out of his love mahabharata was an act of love because he knew that if there is no mahabharata earth will be overrun with the thunder and fire of death and the asura so we don't understand that love we think that love is like the lovey dovey love oh so nice well that is also an expression <laughs> but that love can express itself as kalosmi bhava so uh, most uh, most of the time we pick up one quality or uh, anandos hum anando hum it doesn't matter these are initial glimpses but ultimately he who sees all existence as the one self he alone knows that's how the ishopanishad describes sarvabhuteshu chatmanam tato na vijugupsapte atme vabhut vijanata who sees all existence as the one self and that incidentally if at all there has to be unity in the world it has to be on this basis it cannot be on the surface it is only by discovering the divine self in all creatures that we can have a unity which is not uniformity which will not dis- disrupt the multiplicity and diversity of the world it will be a unity in diversity no other way even an ideology where we try to say create unity by certain laws rules regulation then again you create there are people who are different how are we going to create unity that way so it has to be from the depth and then translating in 
outward shapes and so yeah yeah please yeah no no you don't need to stand yeah So you see how to connect with the divine. Well, uh, there are ways, methods, processes. Leave them aside for a moment. If the seeking is sincere, he'll connect with us. That is the most important thing to be remembered. That is called aspiration. So going back to my own experience and many others, uh, he pulled me into a shop. Uh, I was walking on a road in Patiala, going to watch a movie. But this seeking, so more important than the method is, why you are seeking the divine. If the seeking is for frivolous things that, mere ghar mein dhan dhan se bhara rahe, to divine will say, he doesn't really need to meet me, I'll send Annapurna goddess, <laughs> take care of. <laughs> or if he want the divine to get some power, so he'll say, ye to asur ke raste mein ja So, so if we say that I want to seek the divine because all my miseries are going to end, then we'll see that we'll feel a supporting hand somewhere or the other. But if we want to seek the divine truly because we want to seek what is that? Who is that? Then we will see there is a response, an answer to this quest. So more important than process, people may sit in meditation for years. They may learn one sikhaya hua tarika, sit bolt right, 90 degrees. That doesn't bring contact with the divine reality. Ravan did it. We know what happened. But it is that genuine seeking inside. So if the seeking is genuine, that is something we will know inside or, you know, the divine would know. Then the contact will take place. But uh, if the seeking is not there, then what to do? That's where the role of uh, uh, things like this, what we are having today, uh, these are not just, uh, this is not a talk or a lecture and I am glad uh, you didn't uh, introduce it. It's a satsang, but I take it one step forward, it's a yagya. So we all come here and somebody has given his time, somebody has given energy, somebody has given something and someone else brings something else and together we uh, have the yagya and then the prashad we all take. So, um, that, that is the importance of satsang and yajna, yajna in the true sense, that when we seek the company of those, and the company of those may be difficult to find, but the books are there. Shubindo, fortunately, Shubindo and the mother have read, left a plethora of literature, and for, if for nothing else, just for that, we can say that Bhagwani kar sakta hai. Nowhere, no, no, everybody has given some scripture. Okay, but where do you find 36 volumes of what kind of writing touching upon every possible problem of existence, everyday life, and then add to it 18 volumes of the mother plus 13 volumes if you take the agenda. I mean, it's just amazing that how they have poured their love through pages. And if nothing else, we come in, uh, I'm, I'm taking to this point that by reading Mother and Shurabindo, I may sound a bit of, you know, evangelist, but I am not doing with this idea. I am responding to a question. That if we read Mother and Shobindo, we will come in contact with their consciousness. And then the magic happens. I mean, as I was saying, for me, it happened like that. So I am sure if we read them, it will create within us all that is necessary to reveal. Because divine is not far. We don't have to go 
Actually, it is the most easiest of things, if you ask me. Uh, only we have placed him very far. I don't know. Kahin kailash mein betha diya. Abhi kaha jayenge? Maan sarovar hi jana to. Fortunately, now we have three routes. <laughs> Thanks to the Honorable Prime Minister. But thing is ki, you know, we have another skies. God knows which sky. Seven skies, nine. We have made him so far. But if we start with the ancient Indian conception that he is right near us, within us, and not only within me, but in everything, anything can become an occasion to discover the divine. A stone, observing the rain, anything, if that seeking is there, we will see a response. Now, if we grow along those lines, we will arrive at the fullness. Fullness will not come immediately because otherwise our instrument will collapse. As I said, it's okay to read about the sea. First step, then to walk to the sea. Thoda bad putting feet in the water is fine. But if you go deeper, it's appalling. So he also uh, slowly reveals himself step by step. So one has to be ready for, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong search. A lifelong, lives long search. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you, were, you had a question or something? Okay, ah, please. You must have known that, you know, in a family there are, most of the thoughts are not homogeneous. Hmm. Some are thinking different way. Yeah. And some are different view. Uh, so, my first question is uh, to pray Mother and Sarah and how will concentrate when other partner, other people, they don't believe in that. Number two, and how do, what kind of preparation should do to get all the blessings. Or, uh, I, I, what I'm saying is, you can put mother and in the different place, and some of them they do, their family, and mm. their all the people. <laughs> okay, so I'll answer this question in two parts. Let's say if the partner does not believe the path that we are going, we are fortunate. I mean, Akla Chalo is such a joy in walking alone. I must say it. At least I will, if you have to walk alone, my uh, best moments are when I am alone. Even with nature, I love it. So, uh, and if your partner walks the same path, then you are double lucky. (laughs) So let me put it. (laughs) Because like in my case, you know, you get such a support and uh, together. So it's something very beautiful. Now, of course, in India, many times the partner is willingly together because we are brought up in that whatever is the custom or tradition in which the husband is. So that's a different story altogether. And it's also carries sense. It carried sense from this very perspective. That's so that there is no major dissonance in the core seeking. And uh, so, of course, in Sanatana Dharma, we allow a lot of variety, including uh, non-believing everything. So it works very well because it makes you very wide and complex. It's not a belief system. So it's okay. Now, if there is a differences of belief system, let's say with a child. So that's a situation more common. (laughs) So, uh, well, we can enrich each other. Uh, for example, if a child says, I don't believe in all this, you know, talking about mother and Shubhindu, instead of taking offense, if we uh, understand that why he is saying so, and we tax ourselves to answer valid questions, if there are questions, if there are no questions, a priori assumption, it's a different thing altogether. Then I would say you are just being unscientific and illogical. But supposing there is a genuine question, then to address that question, now we have probably not looked at it like that. But 
you know, there is somebody in the house who is looking at it like that. We can't invalidate it. So we can try to answer it to the best of our ability. So everything can become very fascinating uh, for the self-discovery. But one thing we must remember, at the end, it's an individual and the creation. So long back, this uh, many thoughts used to come. One of them was that, look, um, there are two complementary truths we must always remember in life. I tell my patients, also clients, one is that you are alone. Don't live in this illusion. So people just guess it. So I give this example. Now, for example, my wife had a head injury. She fell off the scooter. I was not there. Nobody was around. An auto rickshaw was passing, suddenly stopped. She was unconscious. He took her. And he doesn't know who is she. He could have taken her to general hospital and she would have gone. I would have completely lost her. I mean, I don't know. I have come for work. But I was feeling some ashanka inside. That's a different story. And then he, somebody says, hey, ashram, ashram. She's from ashram. <laughs> somebody recognized her and she was brought to the nursing home. There again, the ashram watchman is saying, no, 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 we don't take any civilian. Go to GH. He's saying. And suddenly one lady who is coming out, says, hey, Kavita, Alokda, aye, to, you know. So who helped her? I was not there. Somebody else. So if we remember that uh, we are alone with God by our side. At the same time, the whole world is with us. See how unseen hands help us on the road, on the way. I mean, parents often say, Bacho pa depend karna. I always give them this advice never do that kind of thing. Why we want to depend on children and make them also poor people, you know, they will suffer with this idea that my parents, they want me around. Why? We should be capable, independent. And uh, yet it may happen. I have seen people that the child has landed up all the way from South Africa or somewhere else just around the time that the parent is leaving. But equally, it may not happen. It's okay. So the whole world is one family or we have are walking this path alone. And because there are different stages of development, it's never good to disturb. There are people who are not ready for that utter blaze. So it's okay. One can't go to Himalayas, but it's okay. Ghar mein ek Himalaya ka picture laga liya. To baut acha lag hai. Ah, Himalaya. Some people make it even more digital Himalaya version. It is soothing. But quite a different thing to walk the Himalaya. Now can everybody who is watching this digital Himalaya actually undertake the journey? No. People are not equipped. So we have to understand that there is the, uh, in India, that's why we respected the principle of graduality. That's why we had the four ashramas and the four purusharthas. So for each age, so you had the Brahmacharya ashram, then the Grahastha ashram, then the Vanaprastha, and then the Mokshanyas. Because uh, it is very rare and a sign of uh, big grace that one is open at a young age. Also, people will respond into different ways and forms and names of the divine. It's okay. Like, you know, I turned to Mother and Shirobindo, or rather they pulled me more correctly by their grace. So, it's wonderful for me. My parents forever worshipped Lord Rama. Their dedication to Rama was as much and maybe even more, who knows, than what I have for Mother and Shirobindo. But this is wonderful because... Sanatan Dharma ye hai hamare andar. 
But towards the end, they turn towards Mother and Shubhendu. That's a different story. My sister, we both love each other very much. But uh, she has this घर में सारे you know देवी देवता मम्मी पापा भी हैं and uh, Mother Shubhendu. <laughs> so I often jokingly tell her, very fine, uh, very loving. I tell her, सब जगह टिकट बुक करा लिया है. कौन देवी देवता काम आ जाएगा बता नहीं रही लाव्स सो वी सेलिब्रेटेड बिकॉज दैट्स अ जर्नी सो इट डजेंट मैटर आई मीन लेट पीपल डू वॉट दे वॉन्ट टू डू बट फॉर ए सीकर देन कम्स द थर्ड लेवल ऑफ इफ यू आर सीरियसली सीकिंग देन कम्स दिस जाके प्रिय न राम वैदेही सो छाड़िए कोटि बैरी सम जद्यपी परम सनेही दैट इफ यू आर सीकिंग दैट्स वॉट मीरा आस टू i think it was tulsidas and that you know whom do i really my my in-laws are shakts uh, my family member they are vaishnavites for me krishna is everything what should i do they are saying either become a shakt or thrown out of the house so he says now this is if the seeking has gone to that level so he writes jaake priyana ram vedehi सो छाड़िए कोटि वैरी सम जद्यपी परम स्नेही एंड देन ही गिव्स एग्जाम्पल बलि गुरु तजो विभीषण बंधु भरत महतारी सो देर आर पीपल हु लेफ्ट एवरीथिंग बिकॉज दे हैव लव्ड एंड एडोर्ड ऑफकोर्स अल्टीमेटली यू डिस्कवर द वन डिवाइन इन एवरी वन एंड एवरीथिंग बट दे आर स्टेप्स एंड स्टेजेस सो दे कम्स ए टाइम वेन वी वॉन्ट टू ओनली सी द फेस ऑफ द वन बिलविड एवरी वेर इन एंड एवरीथिंग एंड इफ इफ देर इज एनीथिंग विथ जार्स and uh, the fourth aspect of this question is parents and bhagwan to usme to bada clear hai bhai dekho sabko apne jagah par rehne do don't it's like pati devta i say please spare him <laughs> don't <laughs> poor fellow will be crushed under the weight of expectation i am supposed to act like a god well he is not so let's accept that the original parent who holds the royalty of her soul That the story of Kartik. Let the original remain the original. बाकी सब हैं अपने अपने जगह उनकी अपनी जगह है पेरेंट्स का स्थान अपना होता है But when we start doing this, that my physical parents are also uh, God, uh, that's a bit too much. So people often quote this uh, Sanskrit phrase. So I have my own twist to it. आचार्य देवो भवा पित्र देवो भवा मात्र देवो भवा आचार्य देवो भवा So I said, you know, it doesn't mean that Pita is Devata and Mata is Devata, and uh, it is a command. Pita better be as a Devata, <laughs> Mother better be as a Devi. Now then people will say, "No, it's okay. We're just like that. We're just like that." So uh, there should be a sense of measure. See, that is something which we have lost today. Two things. One is the Adhikar Bhed. So this problem of this kind of a liberal thought is that all is same, all is one, and we create a khichdi. so technically if that is the case we should not deny uh, kim jung yon or whatever that name is to give him all the nuclear technology all are same will we do it we won't do it because we understand that there are differences in manifestation and degrees so parents are supposed to represent something of that inner reality but hardly anyone can because it's i mean the divine as mother is a mother whose ways extremely loving but she can even slap but with ultimate love kali divine as father has infinite patience the divine as teacher he leads you along your way of evolution so basically 
original is that we are supposed to reproduce in our lives if we can wonderful but we should know the difference it's the same thing another example i give in this regard is uh, may sound little gross but it's true because once when i came to a talk in seattle so mere sath ek i mean american person tha so you know he came <laughs> and suitcase <laughs> opened the suitcase took out a pair of shoes kept on the on the bed so <laughs> now you know i have come from a indian background so jute ka apna jagah hai you know you keep the shoe in its own place you don't keep shoes over a book it jars and uh, okay if this sounds very preposterous then i say in a cupboard so how will you arrange if you have four layers so sabse upar on top of the topmost shelf will you keep shoes and keep uh, Uh, let's say the picture of uh, whatever represents to you as god in the lowest self uh, uh, or clothes above no automatically within us even if you look at the human body that's how things are the highest is the brain expanding towards the ultimate then things that we love we keep them deep inside in a chest in a drawer then comes all food items and you know <laughs> and then comes physical things so even human body gives us hints so this putting uh, picture of uh, parents and ma baap hi bhagwan hai it's like saying uh, sorry to say uh, hindu muslim ek saman sab allah sab ram aur uh, hindi chini bhai bhai it's very nice uh, it's a euphemism but um, we must know what is what that's all i'm not even trying to define what is what is a knowledge which uh, any rational thinking creature forget about spiritually evolved if a rationally thinking creature doesn't know what is what and even in a chemistry chemical experiment you mix things together they may create explosions so let parents be in the place of parents physical parents which is fine we can if, if they are they have departed we can if we like we can keep a picture somewhere by the side of the bed or somewhere in the drawer if we like best is to send them away because uh, don't keep them tied to you because they have on their own journey but the picture of the divine we will keep uh, maybe like this and uh, of course in the heart ultimately if there is no picture the original chabi is inside us so this is how uh, and this i'm just saying just logically nothing common sense and logic can save us from a lot of complications in life <laughs> people say this sometimes sab ek barabar hai nowadays this is a new nara so i tell them okay aisa karo and do this that uh, bring a cobra and start nurturing it in your house sab ek hai na to why you want to limit it only to human beings what is so special about human beings why not cobra hamare yahan cobra bhi shiv ji ke gale mein rehta hai shiv ke gale mein cobra reh sakta hai if you bring to your house you have lost that sense of measure so in india there was such a deep understanding of the rhythms of the balance the measure that's how a harmonious structure could be built until you know it was destroyed by a very barbaric kind of uh, aggression which we, that was something which we had never anticipated so we should be careful we must learn how to keep each thing in its own place keep it in its own place it's beautiful but remove it out of its place it becomes evil and it applies even to human tendency when sometimes there is something called as anger which is not good but then when you get angry at something which is cross injustice and evil it still is understandable 
But if you get angry because your food has not been cooked properly or there is less salt, then you are really uh, crossing a limit. So this is a measure we have lost in today's times. Adhikar bhed, the sense of balance, proportion, rhythm. That's why life has become so disorderly, chaotic and disharmonious. And I wish people recover it. Uh, it's very difficult. I was hearing you know, what's happening in France was precisely the result of this. Uh, Charles de Gaulle who said, Sab barabar hai. Algerians and French, let's mix and marry. You know, I'm sure people know that history. Why? Because we'll make a common race. And today, the result is France is burning. Because we don't know. God has created a place for everything. Snakes live in the bill. That's their place. Nature has given them that place. If you start sheltering it in the home as a pet, people ask these questions. If you bring up a snake from the babyhood, when it grows up, will it understand that you love him? And you know, uh, if you puchkaro it, he'll kiss you. <laughs> well, it will be the kiss of death because uh, that's how nature has created it. So that's all. So if I, for a seeker of truth, it should be focused. But for a common, it's different. Yeah. Okay, I think uh, you have... Moment of silence. Yes, I can do that.